Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. It's been a while since we have been together celebrating the holidays, so hope you all, all of our fun listeners, had a good holiday season, but we are back. Uh, even though MLS games have paused for a while, the news has not stopped, so we're here to talk about all the craziness that's happened in MLS lately over the winter break and as things get cranking up into 2021. Um, but before we get into another fun episode about MLS news, it is a new year. It's 2021, the first time we have talked this new calendar year since before Christmas, I think. I don't know when the last time our episode came out was. So it's been a while since we've talked. So Josh, uh, how is your holiday season and how's 2021 looking for you so far? Yeah, my holidays were pretty solid. I was fortunate enough to spend some time with my immediate family for Christmas and New Year's, so... That was really nice. One of the more enjoyable Christmases for me in the last couple of years. So that was it was a it was a good time, and uh, yeah, so far in twenty twenty one, just been trying to stay occupied with with all the madness in the world. It just seems like every day we wake up and there's something new and something crazy going on. So it's nice to see that the world has not calmed down at all at the turn of this new year. So the Hawks are something. As I'm sure you've been watching, Drew. I I just saw the Raptors record last night, by the way, Connor, and they are terrible. Don't bring I didn't it up. Realize, didn't Don't bring it up, or we how, will never get off of it. Didn't realize how <laughs> bad they were. I thought the Hawks were doing pretty bad, and then I saw them and a few other teams, and I was like, okay, could be worse. So uh, we'll see. But Connor, how was how was your holiday? How have you been? How's how's your New Year been? Other than the Raptors, it's good. it's been better than the Raptors, but that isn't exactly hard. Um, it has been a while since we talked. I think the last time we did an episode was the day before uh, the LAFC game, right? I think so. Yes, it was. I thought you were going to bring something up. Okay. <laughs> that LAFC lost? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, hey, they deserve to. Wow. All right. Well, we'll see if we talk about that. That game seems like it was so long ago. I can't believe so, that happened. Yeah. So it's been a few weeks. So if you are listening to this and you're hearing my my comments on this, the whole last episode, we spent a good chunk on why I didn't think LAFC deserved to win all that nonsense. And well, it did, it's a non-subject now since I didn't end up winning. We don't have to see them get destroyed in the FIFA Club World Cup. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been ugly. Uh, but we'll talk about LAFC later. Um, I've had a good break, good holiday. I start classes again on Friday. Uh, so 
we'll see how that goes because my schedule still isn't finalized as I wait to see what courses I will have. Um, but yeah, just continuing to grind. Hockey starts Wednesday, which I am so psyched about. The North Division is going to be insane. Uh, hoping for a really good season from my Leafs uh, and a terrible season for Drew's Canucks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I got a hockey fantasy draft in an hour 45. Um, so you're in luck because this won't be a two hour episode. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, just enjoying the break, playing an absurd amount of FIFA that it's not even funny. Uh, but Drew, how was your break? Was it better than the Raptors? It was better than the Raptors, which I didn't know they were doing that bad. So thank you, Josh, for putting that in my mind. And yeah, I was thinking, like, Connor, I think your attention might be going away from the Raptors here soon with the Leafs. Do they play on Wednesday? That is a good question. I can't remember if they're we- they start Wednesday or Thursday. I know we get, like, a couple, like, national broadcast games, and I don't remember who it is. Um, but yeah, break was good. The Hawks got my hopes up and have lately been knocking those hopes down. But thankfully, I haven't been able to watch them because my like cable here at my parents' house doesn't have Fox Sports where they are on for like the Atlanta area. So I've just been following it on Twitter and it hasn't been good. Um, but hopefully they'll turn that around. I know Bogdanovich is like out for the rest of the year or something crazy like that because he got hurt. So that's a bummer. Hey, he broke his knee, didn't he? It's something crazy like that. I saw they posted something about it yesterday, and then I looked it up, and it sounded. But the shortened season, especially, like I don't think he'll play again this season. Yeah, I'm. I have a, as you know, a bit of an investment in the Atlanta Hawks this year because I picked with my first, first and third round picks two Atlanta Hawks and John Collins and Trey Young, and Trey's been a good pick, and John Collins hasn't. Uh, what? Oh yeah, he it's- has not been good. It's funny that you say that from a fantasy standpoint because from an actual like pure basketball standpoint, it's the complete opposite in Atlanta right now. Oh yeah, like Trey is doing stupid stuff, and John Collins is helping, trying to keep this team afloat right now as things start to slowly crumble and fall apart and tumble towards the end of the season. But it's fine, it's fine. The Hawks are okay; they'll be all right. It's like the Andre Drummond story in that he's terrible in real life, but in fantasy, he's an absolute beast because all he does is get rebounds and points. Yep. It's the joys of fantasy sports, which MLS should invest more in and do more with, but I guess their yearly league thing is good enough, but they could use a little bit of help from a Yahoo or ESPN or something like that to create a spot for people to do fantasy sports like the premier league does but we don't need to get into the entire fantasy debate uh but speaking of players abroad was quite the week for an american striker uh who i'd never heard of before this weekend yeah matthew i'm gonna say hop I haven't heard anyone pronounce his name and shortly before we started recording i went searching for pronunciation of his name that's all I could get from some random pronunciation website, but they used him in their sentences, so I'm going to assume it's right. Anyway, Matthew Hopp, yeah, pretty much unknown. Didn't do anything for Schalke in the mere 200 minutes that he had with the club first team. He's only 19, and then out of nowhere, he scores a hat trick and helps Schalke win for the first time in 359 days, which is... (laughs) 
brutal. That is brutal. He saved them from going an entire calendar year without winning a soccer game. So Jeez. good for him. Congratulations to him. This <laughs> is a, a good moment for an American striker that no one's really heard about and for a club that is failing. Just another example of why Iowa Canola should choose Canada over the U.S. I don't know if Matthew Hopp's one hat trick is going to... Hopefully that doesn't affect someone like Iowa Canola and his decision. Not just Matthew Hopp in particular, but or Hope or Hoop or Hoppe or however the hell you say his name. Um, but because there is so much depth at that position for the U.S., men's national team and there is not as much depth on the canadian national team although kyle lyron has decided that he knows how to play soccer uh and is just ripping the turkish league apart i think he scored a hat trick over the weekend so he's having a good year uh which i don't think anybody saw coming or at least i didn't see coming uh he's having a better weekend than weston mckinney although that's mostly because weston mckinney got hurt which I'm sure both of you are very depressed about. One good news about that, I went looking for updates like just before we started recording this, and I think SBI Soccer put out that he's day-to-day. Um, I don't know about Dybala, though. I think he came out with an injury, too. But Wes McKinney, as far as I know, is day-to-day, so it doesn't seem like it's that serious. Pulis- I think Was Pulisic when he got hurt his hamstring in warm-ups day-to-day as well, and then he ended up missing like two weeks? I don't know. Very well could have been. That might have been faulty reporting and not necessarily a faulty diagnosis. Yeah, this is all SBI, which I trust SBI. I think they're solid, but yeah. So that's what—that's the latest news I've heard is that he's day-to-day, which is good because I just assumed the worst. I was like, he's never going to play again, but good that he's day-to-day. Yeah. So that's good news. I believe I saw a Pirlo quote that said he was sort of dealing with something before kickoff and felt it after the back heel pass and went ahead and took him off as a precaution. So it wasn't like shocking out of the blue they kind of knew about it it sounds like it's good to hear it's good to hear another example of an american succeeding in a major major club and potentially zach stefan could be the next player like that as he's getting quite a few starts and quite a bit of run with manchester city yeah that kind of i don't know about you josh but that came as a super big shock to me i know a lot of his starts have been fa cup i think was a competition that he's been playing a lot in which, but the FA Cup's games he's playing, and I think they're against pretty big teams. Like he started against Chelsea. Um, I think he started against United. I might be going crazy though, because I got, got a FOP mob notification. And I usually just assume every time I see Zach Steffen's name, I just assume it's going to say he's on the bench. But like the past couple of weeks, it's been Zach Steffen is in the starting lineup against Man- for Manchester City against these big clubs like Chelsea. Um, and I think, if I remember, City won the game against Chelsea 3-1. to one, And I think he kept a clean sheet for a pretty long time. I remember City just kind of like wiped the floor at Chelsea because Chelsea's like a dumpster fire right now. Um, but yeah, I didn't, this came, came out of nowhere for me. Um, I know we, I think we talked a couple episodes ago, not a couple, it was a long time ago, about Zach Steffen getting playing time in Manchester City because it didn't look like he was getting a whole lot of time. And we were talking about if it was good for him to stay a city or not. So this has been really good to see him getting minutes that he hasn't really been getting at a big club like City. But even though it's in these FA Cup games, he's playing against big clubs and is doing good. So it's it was a very pleasant surprise on my end to see him in the starting lineup more than once. Yeah, that Chelsea appearance, was that was definitely a Premier League start. And at the time, Chelsea was still up there 
towards the top of the table. I know they've they've fallen down a little bit. Like Drew said, they're a bit of a dumpster fire right now. But it was a pretty important game. It was pretty surprising to see him get the start there. I'm not totally sure on this because I haven't done a lot of digging about it or haven't seen too much about it. But I think these starts have more to do with Ederson possibly being a COVID positive or coming into contact with someone with COVID because City was dealing with a little bit of a mini outbreak. Like Kyle Walker missed a couple games, uh, Gabriel Jesus, a couple other players. So I think it kind of has more to do with that and they're letting Ederson work his way back slowly. But it has been good to see Stefan get these run of games, and he's kept mostly clean sheets, hasn't made any catastrophic mistakes. So it seems to be like a good run. And I, I keep seeing uh, Pep Guardiola talk about him like every time he plays. So I don't know if there's like an American reporter in those uh, post-game you know, reporter pools asking questions specifically about Stefan or if like just they're asking, the, the British press is asking questions about Stefan in general, which would be pretty cool. But it seems like after every performance he has after every appearance Gordiola, Gordiola has something to say about him it's usually positive so good for him yeah I think it's insane that an American keeper is starting for arguably one of the biggest clubs on the planet uh, even though they haven't been living up to the standard that they would have liked this season uh, although I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they haven't had a striker for most of this year um Okay, you're looking at me like that. You expect City to be like 20 points clear. Well, it's funny you say that because I'm pretty sure they're if they 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 have like three games in hand on everybody. So the reason why they're not up high on the table right now is only because they've had games delayed. If you actually look at their points, so looking at the standings right now, they're in fifth. They are four points behind Liverpool, but they have two games in hand. Okay. And they're four yeah. points behind United, and they have one game in hand. So on points, like they, they could still be behind United. But just give it some time, and they'll be okay. They've only lost two games. That's true. And they have been doing all this without Aguero and without Jesus, who only came back recently. So the fact that they have been so successful, I think, is huge. And the fact that he's starting and winning games against teams like Chelsea... Yeah, they've, been, they've been sneaky. They're, they're sneaking up on everybody right now. They're, they're making everyone believe, you know, like you said, they're not doing that great this season, but we should all, should all watch out a little bit. I think it, it's fair to say that they haven't been doing great this season just because I agree with you. they haven't been the city that we expect them to be. But at the same time, they're fifth in the league with two games on hand on Liverpool or the team above them. So... One game and or two games and they're potentially top of the league. Uh, but again, Zach Steffen starting for them is insane, and hopefully we have the same situation happen uh, with Brian Reynolds eventually, where he's being linked to a move to likely between Roma or Juventus. Uh, there's been a lot of controversy, I think it's fair to say, surrounding this transfer because. There have been rumors that the deal's done and then it's not done and this team's involved, that team's involved, no teams are involved. Uh, but it, what do you make of this whole entire situation uh, surrounding Brian Reynolds? Do you think this is a transfer that'll happen before the start of the season? If we get to a start of the season, which we will talk about in a second? Yeah, I think... I like how you put controversy because this is the most confusing signing ever, I feel like, because someone was talking about it on Twitter. Like, has Brian Reynolds been signed to Juventus? It depends on who you ask and what time of day you ask him. Like, no one really knows if he's going to Juventus or not. 
But I think, hey, I mean, first and foremost, like it's pretty obvious that this is a really good thing for MLS and for him uh, going from Dallas. Again, going from Dallas, incredible academy uh, program, as we saw with McKinney going to Juventus. So that's really exciting for the league and for him. Um, will Do I think it'll happen before the season starts? I think I'll, I'll say yes. Um, I'm expecting it any day now. I'm expecting to wake up to news from MLS that he's been sold to Juventus. So not a whole lot of feelings on it. Um, I do think he'll go to Juventus. That's the name that I've been seeing more of. I haven't seen a whole lot of Roma talk between Reynolds and Roma. I've seen more with Juventus. Um, but I think it will happen before the start of the season, whether or not the start of the season is in March or May or April or whenever it does start. Um, but yeah, obviously it's really good news for MLS and for him. And I think I think he'll be out of here before the start of the season. Josh, do you think Reynolds will be out of here? Which team do you think he'll go to? And do you think it'll happen before MLS starts again in 2021? I think this transfer is definitely going to happen before the season starts. For me, it's been a, a when, not an if. Obviously, it's gotten a little more confusing with the tons of teams I've been thrown in. You know, Club Bruges has also been a, a big name as part of that too that we've seen although not as much i think in the last couple days like drew said it's all been really confusing and depending on who you ask and what time of day it's a different answer i think it's going to end up being juventus there's been that's the first club he was most heavily linked to and there's all this talk about him going on loan to benevento because juventus doesn't have the roster space for a non-eu member so that's a, that's what I'm expecting since it's been the, the most widely reported on rumor and longest reported on rumor. But either way, Reynolds is going to get the move. I think a worst case scenario is kind of like a Lucho Acosta situation where it comes down to like the last minute and they just can't get the deal over the line and he's stuck in Dallas for another half a season or full season or whatever the case is or even worse he picks up an injury while he's with Dallas so hopefully no matter what he gets a move to Europe where it looks like he's he's definitely wanted and you know hopefully things get sorted out and there aren't any long-lasting repercussions it's crazy that he's getting this massive move to a big club after playing what only triple digits in MLS yeah, he really didn't even play that much this season because of when Cannon got sold. Like, he only started playing after the MLS's back tournament. It's like only a few months, so it is pretty crazy. It's just another sign of what MLS academies and what MLS is producing. and The world stage and international, specifically European, clubs starting to realize that there's a lot of talent over here. Uh, that they can take advantage of. And Tyler Adams, Alfonso Davies, all those guys paved the way for that to happen. So seeing moves like this continue to move forward and to see players like Reynolds, who hasn't played a lot in MLS, to continue to get moves to Europe, I think is huge. And Mark McKenzie is a similar situation as a guy who had an incredible season in MLS this past year, and now he's going to gank in Belgium, where I presume he'll be a starter, and I think he'll be very, very successful. I don't know if you guys agree with me or not, but what do you think about this whole entire Mark McKenzie transfer? I'm really excited to see what McKenzie can do in Belgium. I I believe he will be a starter from what I could see from fans on Twitter and the way Genk was approaching the announcement of the signing. It kind of seemed like 
they'd been going after him for a while and fans were starting to get really excited about him. And so finally, now that the deal is over the line, it's like, hey, guys, we got him. And now they're super excited about it. So that's really cool to see. He'll definitely be with a club that is always challenging for Europa League, for Champions League, always challenging with Club Rouge for, for top of the division. So I think it's a good move for him. I mentioned this, I think, in the episode we did with Dan Garza, but McKenzie's one of those guys who was on the U20 team last year, someone I watched, well, I guess it was two years ago now that we're in 2021, but back in the summer of 2019, when the U20 World Cup happened, he was on that team, he was dealing with injuries and was a captain, didn't play well for the national team, he wasn't even a really a starter for Philadelphia at, at that time. So for him to battle back mentally and physically and to be the, the starter he was this year and the player he was and to get those Defender of the Year considerations as well at the end of the season just speaks to how he's grown. And so I'm excited for what he does at Genk and possibly another maybe bigger club in just a couple of years. Yeah, I think obviously super exciting um, because like you talked about, Connor with Tyler Adams and Alfonso Davies, he was a homegrown signing at Philadelphia. I think... I assume he played with Bethlehem Steel. I don't know how much time he spent in USL. But just seeing this pipeline continue to crank out really good players um, is really exciting. And yeah, like Josh said, going to Belgium with a team that is competing for Champions League, Europa League, and maybe even being another kind of launching pad to a bigger club in Europe, whether it's in Belgium or goes to another country. Um, it's just exciting to see this pipeline continuing to work um, with homegrown signings, especially because there are a lot of... You could look at Miguel Amaran, who... Obviously, a successful transfer being bought from South America, but it's especially awesome when you have these homegrown players that have been through the academy that have gone through this U.S. soccer process and young players. I think he's like 21 or something like that. So to see the process working again and again is really exciting. Um, yeah, it kind of knocks the whole retirement league thing out of the water because young players leaving MLS and going to Europe and killing it. And it just looks like it's just now starting. So really excited. Um, just another really good player that is leaving MLS, taking his talents elsewhere. And I'll start following the Belgian League, apparently, which is something I never thought I would do. But I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'll, I'll become a Belgian League fan, I guess, now, following Mark McKenzie in Europe. That's not the worst league in the world, as Alejandro Pozzuolo has proven, uh, coming from Gank. Um, but, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how he does in Belgium. Uh, in the same way, it'll be very interesting to see, and it's been very interesting to follow, this Katarina Macario uh, situation as she foregoes her fourth year um, of college, uh, skipping out on the U NWSL as well, and appears to be heading to Bayern Munich. I don't follow NWSL like Drew, you do, uh, because there's no Canadian teams uh, NWSL take the effing hint already. Um, but Drew, what can you tell me and tell us about Katarina Macario, and, if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, and this entire transfer saga of her ending up at potentially Bayern Munich? Well, first off about Katarina is she's freaking good. Um, Stanford put out a highlight video, and she's ridiculous. She is as good as advertised. She's in national team camp right now. And I think she won at least one national championship with Stanford. She might have won two. Stanford's just a powerhouse in women's soccer. Um, I know the report I saw, it's between Bayern Munich and Lyon right now, which is really cool that Bayern Munich's in the mix because you don't really hear a whole lot about their women's team. I think their women's team's pretty new. 
in Lyon is just like the New York Yankees at women's soccer. They just <laughs> run the show and kind of dominate everybody. It's kind of annoying, but I digress. Um, I think what this says about the league is that obviously it's not good for the league to not get her enter into the draft, which I think the draft is in a couple days. Um, so obviously it's not good to have this incredible player skip out on the NWSL, but I don't think it's it's not anything to freak out a ton about. Um, there is the possibility if she is sold to Lyon that because they own OL Reign that plays in Seattle, the NWSL team. So there's a possibility that Lyon could buy her um, and then she could spend a lot of time stateside as well. So that's a possibility. But I think the report I saw was Grant Wall was talking about a two and a half year long deal. So, and she's still pretty young. I have no idea how old she is. She's probably like early 20s if that happens. Um, but I don't think it's, it's obviously bad news because she's an incredible player. And yeah, go watch the highlight video and you'll see just she's phenomenal. And I'm so excited to see her win multiple World Cups with the United States. Um, but yeah, it's not all bad. Obviously, it's not good for the NWSL, but there are a lot of really good things with the NWSL right now, getting expansion, getting new sponsorships, TV deals. So while it is pretty bad to lose out this incredible player, I think it's not all doom and gloom for the NWSL right now. I would say, you know, I, w- I would agree with what Drew is saying. That's not all doom and gloom. I-, I think the league should take this as sort of a warning sign, though, that she's decided to not even go into the NWSL draft. There's, you know, a few soccer reporters, journalists that I follow that were not like not outspoken is not the right word, but they were definitely discussing amongst themselves how the league needs to take notice of this and make sure that they are evolving as a league and that they're not still approaching this like they did 10 years ago, which kind of seemed to be an issue with the people that have been following this. So, yeah, I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't think it's doom and gloom, but the league needs to be careful that they keep players wanting to come here. Just earlier today, I saw something about Abby Dahlkemper wanting to move to Europe now. So I think the next six months, year, it's going to be interesting with NWSL and, and what they can do to keep players wanting to come to the U.S. and wanting to stay in the U.S. Has that new rule uh, surrounding the U.S. women's national team players and Europe the restricting the three players taken effect yet? I feel like... Maybe. I'm not sure because I know the status on the CBA, it's about to expire or pretty close to expiring because it was three players that were limited to Europe, right? And I don't know if Macario, because I'm not sure if she fits into that category because she's still super young. She hasn't, she may have made like less than five appearances for the U.S. So I don't know if she falls in that category as if like Kristen Press and Tobin Heath were to stay in Manchester United like they would. So she might be an exception to that given she's so young and she might not fall under that category. That'll be interesting to see what happens, whether or not, because that entire CBA is interesting in terms of restricting players who can play in Europe. And if she does count, that is three right there in the two United players and her. So no other uh, women's national team players or American women's national team players could move to Europe. So I wonder how that'll go down in the women's soccer bubble, uh, specifically the U.S. team and all that stuff. But 
it's definitely going to be an interesting situation to follow. I wonder what will happen, and I wonder what we'll find out as the week continues, but do you guys just want to continue on and start talking about fun stuff like the force majeure clause? Let's do it. I'd like to stall for as long as possible because I'd like to pretend that this never happened, but <laughs> alas, here we are. Um, the league is, as you put it, or I believe, Josh, you made the doc, um, you stated the league is looking to exercise its force, force majeure clause, which I don't think it's looking. I think it's going to, uh, if not, it already has. Uh, but what are your guys' sort of thoughts on everything? Uh, maybe if you either of you understand it really well, can break down what this means for MLS in this upcoming season. Uh, but just rant about the force majeure clause, basically. From what I can understand, which isn't much because this is all fairly confusing, <laughs> it looks like the whole, the, I mean, the point of the force majeure clause we know was for financial reasons. It was supposed to act as a breaking break glass in case of emergency um, sort of move, but the league is going to do it anyway because they've already lost so much money. And essentially what it is is they're going to have to renegotiate a CBA for the third time in a little under a year, which is really rough for the league, especially for the players, though, and the players' union. And, yeah, I mean, this is just an attempt by the league to save money by renegotiating the CBA. Believe, I don't know if it was a formal offer made by the league, but there were reports and rumors that the league's first offer to the players was going to be to keep salaries paid in full, which is important for the players, obviously, but to push back the current CBA another two years, all the way back to 2027, if I remember correctly, from what I read. So the way I see it, from my point of view, is the players will not have to take a pay cut in the short term, which is great. However, it's at the expense of the growth of the league in the long term in terms of injecting money into the teams and into the league, which was supposed to happen at a, I guess, a, a prorated rate is the best way to describe it. Remember, it was going to not grow exponentially, but it was going to grow in increments over the next few years. And so it seems like they're just kind of trying to push that back and wait as long as possible, which, I mean, I, I don't... MLS is, it's, is a business, right? I don't blame them for taking that measure or wanting to take that measure as long as they're not hurting the players in the process. And it seems like the league is actually kind of being a little reasonable this time, whereas last year they were like, no, we're going to do it our way. You have no choice. I, I hate that they're they're you know in doing the force, force majeure, but if they can keep the players happy by paying them in full and if the players are okay with delaying the growth of the league by a couple years and i mean that's what you have to do it's a pandemic it's a world changing history altering event there has to be some sort of adaptation to it so what are the negatives of this then um well they have to deal with another cba i imagine that's not a fun process to go through um yeah i mean i think like josh said as long as the players are put first and foremost i think that is the only thing that's really the most important thing to me. Also, I do think it's worth mentioning what a force majeure clause even is. It seems like it's a very, in la like in case of crazy circumstances, i.e. 
a global pandemic, you kind of, it's this thing in a contract that you put in there that when crazy stuff happens, you can kind of just activate it like a button. You can push the force majeure button and it kind of just like undoes everything. Um, so, I mean, a, a negative of it, right, is that you got to deal with the CBA thing again. And this happens, what, every couple of years in a normal cycle. And you're doing it, what, like Josh had three times in the last calendar month. Um, so I don't have a whole lot of takes on it. I, that, I mean, as long as this process, the players are foot, put first. And you know, like you said, they're being paid in full. Um, I guess that's the only thing that really matters. It sucks that they're having to do this again, but that's a league's choice. And... We'll see. I don't have a whole lot of takes on it yet because we don't know what this new CBA is going to be like. I'm sure as more stuff starts coming out and we get more things finalized and maybe some players tweet out some interesting tea about owners, then maybe we'll have some more things to talk about. But not a whole lot on it except that it sucks that they're having to do this for the third time and not that long. Yeah, I think Drew brings up a really important point, and that's that not a lot has happened with this yet. The league stated its intention to exact the force majeure clause the players have said they don't want that obviously nobody wanted that but that's kind of it right now and there's that one you know offer that the league has supposedly made and the last thing i read which i think was published yesterday by sports illustrated said that the earliest we should even expect to hear back from the players is next week so this is kind of a slow process right now now the the negative side of things to go back to your original question connor what could happen is the players could say, you know what, we're tired of this, we're not going to play. And then we get into a work stoppage, and then that's when things get really, really, really bad. So hopefully it never comes to any of that, but with the way things have gone in the last year, both in the world and with MLS and just everything, I could see this going bad really fast. Yeah. It sucks that it's happening again. But that is... The story of MLS and the story of professional sports leagues in North America. So I don't really know how much we can comment on what will happen until more comes out about this. Uh, So let's move on to something more fun. And that is player transfers within MLS, which is, is it less complicated than negotiating a CBA? Or As long as we don't talk about GAM and TAM and thank you ma'am and allocation orders and re-entry drafts and waiver drafts oh good because we get to talk about all of those things uh throughout this entire basically every move that's happened so far uh we probably missed some but i guess we can start with the nycfc transfer as they continue to sell their entire club and not bring any players in uh NYCFC traded fullback Ronald Matarita uh, to FC Cincinnati for up to $600,000 in GAM. So what did you guys think about this Matarita transfer? Uh, Do you think it's good for Cincinnati? And do you think it solves a need for them? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good move. I don't know. At this point, whenever FC Cincinnati does anything, I just automatically assume it's not going to work out for them because that's kind of been the story of their franchise the first two years. So, hey, on paper, it's a great deal. I think it's a lot of money, although Monterita has proved that he's a you know solid fullback. When you think of NYCFC and you think of their defenders, they're not necessarily super flashy, but they've been efficient. The, the backline pairing that they've had over the last however many years. So, yeah, I mean, on paper, good move for Cincinnati. They need to get better defense. So, 
Yeah, I am. I'm excited about it. Um, from both perspectives, I'm excited that Cincinnati just is trying. Like whether or not this move works out or not, it's just good to see them trying to get better in anything. Um, especially because I this has nothing to do with the transfer, but I think that new stadium's coming out pretty soon, and I've seen some pictures of it, and it looks pretty freaking awesome. So hopefully Cincinnati won't be as bad as they have been with that new stadium. So maybe they're building something cool. So from the Cincinnati perspective, I'm really excited about it because they're at least trying. Whether or not it works out or not remains to be seen, but it looks like they care and it looks like they want to win, which is very encouraging because that's what they they haven't been winning. So any change is a good change. Uh, from the NYCFC perspective, I'm excited about it. Not from, like Connor said, it feels like they're just selling their entire team, but I'm just excited for this offseason. Like, they have so much money and so much space just ready to go. I can't wait to see what they do. And they have this city transfer network that if any team should have an exciting offseason, it has to be NYCFC. So I'm just waiting for something, for them to get a player, because it feels like every time they're in the news, they're selling someone. So eventually it has to change. Eventually they have to buy someone because they they need people to play on that baseball field they got going on in New York City. So I'm excited for the offseason. I just assume they're done selling players. I have no idea at this point, but I'm really excited for Cincinnati because it's just something different, something to fix a terrible team. And NYCFC, it's just eventually they got to start buying players. And when they do start buying players, I'm going to be pretty excited about it because they have the network and they got the money now. Another team that's spending a lot of money but not getting anything is Austin, which we're going to talk about in a second. But first, let's talk about the player who's potentially being on a team for the shortest period of time in history uh, of MLS, Joe Corona, who was taken by Austin in the expansion draft and then promptly lost two days later in the re-entry draft or the waiver draft or whatever it was, uh, as he signed a deal with Houston Dynamo. So what did you guys think about that decision before I continue to scream at Austin FC for making a brilliant decision in drafting Joe Corona two days early? Yeah, I have. This is just so MLS. First off, I really want to know if I can buy a Joe Corona Austin FC jersey. Like with Carmelo Anthony with the Hawks. Like he was with the Hawks for like a couple weeks. Um, so if anyone has any connections to give me a Joe Corona Austin FC jersey, I will be more than happy to buy it. Um, but this makes no sense. Like I usually like to lean toward trusting the organizations because they know a lot more about this business than we do. Um, but I don't see why Austin FC did this. Like, why did you waste a draft pick on him? Connor's been ranting about it for a couple episodes now, and I'm sure we'll get another <laughs> rant here in a second. But I just don't I don't get it. I usually like to lean toward the people who make a lot of money to do this, the you know GM, the front office, but I can't I haven't seen a logical explanation for drafting this guy, and then he's been all over the place, and who knows what's going to happen with him now. So I don't know what's going on. It was a weird decision on my on their part to me. Um, so I don't get it, but it was so MLSy. But that's all. I don't have a whole lot of takes on it because I'm not really sure what the heck just happened because it happened so fast. It went from Austin FC to Houston, draft picks, Connor's yelling at something. So it was a crazy moment in time in Major League Soccer, but it looks like he's set to stay in Houston, so that's good for, for Joe. Josh, you defended the move when it happened. What are your thoughts? Oh, yeah. I'm just glad I got the pick right. The expansion pick. I mean, that's why so I had to defend it. I had to defend it because I, I thought that they would pick him. I, I still I still stand by my original point that he would have been good for Austin FC. And you know what? I mean, he is the best former Austin FC player out there, so you can't really argue with that. He's never lost with Austin FC. 
you're right, undefeated. <laughs> but but honestly though, like I'm with Drew. Like this is just such a head scratching move. It's a good thing that at least for me personally, all their other moves have been so responsible and solid, or else I'd be really going after their organization right now. Because people went after Cincinnati and their boneheaded decision making with their game and everything. People went after Nashville a little bit too, even though they ended up being wrong. But this is weird, and hopefully this isn't a pattern that begins to form like we've seen with other clubs. But Connor, go ahead. Let's wait. You're allowed like one screw up as an expansion side, so I think it's it's fine for us. And this is their screw up. They're fine. That's fair. You get one screw up as an expansion team. That's fair. That's fair. Hopefully, it is their only their screw their only screw up for the season. They made that screw up very early on. Uh, is all I'll say. But yeah, I just I don't get the decision to pick Corona by Austin. Like even if it had been Lionel Messi today available in the expansion draft and he would have been available in the waiver draft two days later in the first overall pick, I wouldn't have taken Messi in the expansion draft. Because when you think about it, right, the waiver draft or whatever draft it was was two days later. And that would have guaranteed you to have Corona for at least a week. Instead, you draft Corona and you give yourself two days to to negotiate before he can be taken by another club. How does that make any sense at all? It's just unbelievably stupid, terrible management uh, on on behalf of the entire Austin organization and how they let that happen is beyond me. Uh, but I've ranted enough about this and we don't need to continue to talk about it. So let's move on to an interesting decision uh, on behalf of, I guess, SKC losing a pretty key member of their franchise for over a decade. Uh, Matt Besler signed with Austin after playing pretty much his entire career with uh, SKC since 2009. He's now 33. So what do you think about this move for Austin, do you think this was a good decision by them? And what do you think about it on behalf of the SKC? Do you think that this was time to part ways with Bessler? Or do you think they should have kept him? Definitely think it was time for a Sporting Kansas City to let go. I mean, he was a really important part of their club. He, if I remember correctly, I don't know for sure if this is accurate, but back in 09 when he was drafted, I think he was drafted at the same time as Graham Zussi and another veteran player and like the three of them all came up together drafted together played together in the defense and in the midfield really helped you know sporting kansas city become what it is today and i believe they were all drafted by peter vermees as well so it's you know i mean it sucks for skc fans to have to say bye to him and you know i'm sure he didn't really want to leave but it was definitely time Kansas City's definitely had some issues with their defense the last couple years, and age was a big part of it. So that's my position on it from a, an SKC perspective. As for Austin FC, I'm excited for them and for this pick because this feels like a Michael Parkhurst kind of move where you get a veteran center back, and it's someone who's been in MLS for a long time, knows how the league works, can you know, properly lead a locker room. So from that aspect of it, I'm excited to see what he can do for Austin from a, from a leadership perspective. What are your thoughts on Beasler to Austin FC, Drew? Yeah, I think 
like Josh said, I think it was time. I think he is in his mid thirties, thirty five. I want to say something like that. Um, I think he was a free agent too. Thirty three. Okay, cool. Um, and I think he joined as a free agent. I think. Um, so I mean, yeah, like his contract was up. I think SKC. It was just time. Um, obviously, it sucks losing a player that won in the last cup with him and probably won a couple open cups because it feels like SKC won a lot of those. Um, yeah, from the Austin perspective, like Josh said, it's exciting because I don't know the exact age on their defenders right now, and I don't know how long the deal is. If he's 33, I imagine it's not that long, but he's a defender. So he could be he could play up there a little longer than if he was like a midfielder or something like that. So I don't know how long he'll be at Austin, but I think it's going to be exciting to have a veteran player like that that's won <clears throat> at MLS and international level. I think he was with the 2014 World Cup with the U.S., so he's played in a lot of really high levels, and I think he's going to be an exciting piece to that team as they grow. Uh, I could, I think he'll retire at Austin FC, and I think he'll be a very imp- important part to that franchise. I really like the Michael Parkhurst analogy that it feels like Michael Parkhurst was just a beginning veteran piece for Elaine United and gave way to Miles Robinson, who has been very good in center back as a young defender, and maybe that is going to happen again at Austin FC. Maybe Matt Beesler is going to grab a younger defender by the wing um, and just teach him and lead him in defending. Um, and then Beasler will be on his way, and I'll give way to a really good young defender uh, to play at Austin. So I'm excited about it from both ways. I think sporting, it was time. He's won there. He was successful there. But all good things must come to an end. And I think Austin FC is really going to like this pick um, for the veteran leadership that he brings to an expansion side. It's a very good point. I think that veteran experience will be huge for Austin even if he doesn't play, just have that presence in the locker room. Uh, and adding another center back to their depth, I think is going to be huge. Even if he is up there in age, um, I like the move. Uh, let's move on to the next move, which I didn't see coming at all. Uh, I didn't think this would happen, but Corey Baird was traded from uh, RSL to LAFC for 500 Kane Gam, an international slot this season. And future considerations, whatever that ends up being, if it ends up being anything. Did you guys see this move coming? And what do you think about it for both RSL, for LAFC, and for Baird himself? Um, Yeah, I think it was an interesting one as I was looking at this in the outline because Baird, um, he hasn't, he's played, he played a lot with um, RSL this past season. He got like 22 games in. And he's a pretty young player. I'm trying to figure out. He's 24. Um, so I I was hesitant to say that it was a very big move because like we were talking about in the outline, Diego Rossi, potentially on the move. And I wasn't – I saw him more as a depth piece to this team because they lost um, Bradley Wright Phillips to Columbus, and we'll talk about that in a second. But given how much they gave up for him – was interesting because that's a lot that's a lot of money and then slots and all that stuff adding to it and I don't understand giving up all that for a guy that is just going to be depth for you um I don't think LAFC's in Champions League so they don't have as as congested of a schedule maybe with open cups and stuff so that's just a lot to give up for depth so I I'm hesitant to say that that means that Rossi or anyone um Rodriguez is on the move but that was a lot. So when I saw the 500K in the slots, they're giving up 
in future considerations. I'm hesitant. I mean, this guy can't be depth, right? Like, it's a lot to give up. So I think I think it signals that something else is going on at LAFC. Josh is giving me this really weird look right now, so I'm going to let him take the cake on it and probably roast me, but Josh, what you got about it? I am so excited for this move. I think this is a move that makes perfect sense for all parties involved, for the most part. I'm a little questioning RSL's decision here because Baird has been one of their best players, which isn't really saying much because RSL has been so vanilla over the last couple years. They're just there. So I don't really understand RSL giving up one of their better players. That being said, great move for Baird. He's going to get coached by an excellent coach and coaching staff in LAFC. He's going to be on a team that's super competitive. He's going to be on a team full of talent to where he doesn't have to shoulder all the responsibilities and he can kind of take advantage of being surrounded by all that talent. So I think he is going to excel. He is 24, so he's not really like a prospect anymore, but he's not, you know, he's not fully proven. So I think this is... I just think this is going to be a perfect storm for him. It's going to be a chance for him to showcase his talents. He's not going to have to shoulder the responsibility of being the best or even one of the top five players on the team, if we're being honest. That being said, Drew, I think you bring up a good point with Rodriguez or Rossi. If neither of those guys goes in this transfer window, then I do think it's a weird move to make. Now, I don't think it's a lot to give up because Baird is an in-his-prime winger and you're only paying half a million for him. He's not going to cost you a lot of money because he's a domestic player. He's not a DP. I don't even think he's the TAM-level signing. And even if he is, it's got to be on the lower side of things. So I think from a money standpoint, yeah, they might be giving up a lot on the transfer itself. But in the long term, in terms of salary and compared to Rodriguez and Rossi, who are DPs, then really, I think this is a savvy move. Back to Rodriguez and Rossi, though. I I don't know why neither of these guys has left yet. I think I think we're starting to approach the the point where if they don't get rid of Rossi soon, then they're going to start having issues. He's going to either want out or he's going to start to stagnate in MLS. Possibly, I mean, he could continue playing at an insane level, but I don't really know how possible that is for such a young player especially from the mental side of things. So I I do think LAFC needs to get rid of one of or both of those guys. Get your money, move those dudes on because they're ready and because they want to move on. And then at the same time, you have Baird ready to go. So I think it's a good move for all involved. I do think LAFC needs to sort out what they're going to do with Rodriguez and Rossi. It's definitely an interesting situation. I don't know what LAFC will do. Uh, we've been saying, oh, Rossi's going to leave for, it feels like, the last three transfer windows. Um, same with Rodriguez. The thing about that, too, is have you guys seen any rumors about either of these players? I feel like I have seen zero, zero smoke about these guys, which is odd because, like you said, Connor, it feels like, especially with Rossi, but even Rodriguez, too, there have been rumors about these guys in the last couple windows. So that's a little odd to me. I don't know if we should. you should necessarily read into the fact that there aren't rumors surrounding those two because they've been so involved in the rumors and obviously there's always the italian link with um rodriguez and rossi and rossi um just i (laughs) stop with that face um and i don't necessarily think it's late enough to say that they need to dump rodriguez because he's what 18 yeah, yeah. I so, definitely mean that more for Rossi than Rodriguez, for sure. Yeah. 
Rossi, I can understand. He's 22, uh, going on 23, I think. So he should be looking at a move out of MLS uh, if he does want to move to Europe. But for all we know, he may not want to go to Europe. He may want to be an MLS player for the rest of his career. Like, we shouldn't just assume that players want to get sold immediately. If we want to become a league that's very well respected, we need to start accepting the fact that some of these young players who we bring in from South America or Mexico aren't going to want to leave. And they're going to want to play here because we're, as a league in MLS, we're becoming more respected and we're becoming a high enough quality where these players aren't, quote unquote, wasting their careers playing in MLS. They're succeeding at clubs who, frankly, I think are at a good level. And with the 2026 World Cup coming up, we'll continue to get better and continue to improve as the sport becomes more popular in North America. So I don't see this being an issue. I don't see the fact that Baird is coming to LAFC being a negative. I think it's just very good added depth to LAFC in the event that Vela gets hurt, gets hurt again, uh, or one of Rodriguez or Rossi leave. He's an unbelievable option off the bench. Uh, and for all we know, they could move Vela to striker. They could play Rodriguez in at cam, uh, have Rossi in at left wing and Baird at the right wing. And that attack is probably the best at MLS. I'd argue it would be the best at MLS, although Columbus might beat it uh, because, wow, um, it's just nuts. <laughs> Before we move on into Columbus Crew and their unbelievable roster at this point, news is breaking on Twitter from Meg Linehan of The Athletic that Abby Dahlkemper is in fact going to Manchester City later this month for a two-and-a-half-year-long contract. Did you say Abby? Yes, Abby Dahlkemper. Oh, man, she's like the reason I got into the NBSL. That's like That's a personal heartstring you just plucked for me, man. Oh, that's do, so sad. Do want to say I did mention her earlier in the podcast. So You did, yeah. I'm going to take credit. That, I was like, what is he talking about? And I found the tweet. I think Stephen Goff from the Washington Post put it. So, dang, that was a fast-moving transfer. I wonder how much of an influence that's going to have on... Um, what's her name? I've forgotten her name. How did I forget her name? Katarina Macario. Uh whether or not that potentially throws that transfer off a little bit because she is not allowed to go to Europe uh, with the women's national team role in the CBA uh, or what it means for the two United players. It's, that's a big transfer. That's going to make a lot of noise in NWSL and in the women's national team sphere. Those might be. I think I think it would be safe to say those are going to be the three players I think Lavelle and Mewis, I think they're coming back. Um, so you might have Press Heath with United and Dahl Kemper with City. Those might be your three. But again, I think they're in camp right now because they have January camp, and she believes Cup happens next month. That I think that just came out today too. So they're all in camp while this is happening. So I guess now it's just a question of who – and Emily Sonnet was with um, a team in Sweden. She just transferred to Washington Spirit. But that, yeah, that's gonna be who's gonna who's gonna be the big three in Europe. I think is now the question. Who's is Preston Heath? Are they gonna actually play in Louisville? That's another thing we gotta consider too. So, 
I think the question now becomes who are going to be the three that take their talents elsewhere, to put it like LeBron's James did. Take their talents not to South Beach, but to Manchester. I wonder what will happen if one of these players breaks the CBA, if we end up with four women's national team players. This entire situation is so confusing, and we are not smart enough or lawyers to be able to talk about this. Um, but that's nuts. Wow. Almost as nuts as Kevin Molino and Bradley Wright Phillips joining MLS Cup champion, most likely going back-to-back now, Columbus Crew. Excellent transition. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, almost as excellent a transition as Kevin Molino away from Minnesota United to an actually good team. Uh, that attack on Columbus Crew is not fair period they are looking really good that's some really good depth i don't even know if these are starters which is saying a lot about columbus cruz bradley wright phillips will not be started that i mean I yeah that's guarantee you that that is fair he's definitely a depth signing but as for molino i mean he he did deal with his fair share of injuries over the last couple of years i think he missed a i want to say the 2019 season because of an acl tear if i remember correctly but Obviously, he showed everyone what he's made of last year when he is healthy and firing on all cylinders. So, I mean, you got these two. So, Molino, BWP, you got Jossie Zardes, Pedro Santos, um, Lucas Elrayon. Yeah, and then that's not even talking about the deeper part of the midfield with Nagby and Aiden Morris and Sebastian Berhalter and Artur. So, this is, I mean, it's, man, Columbus is, <laughs> they're not playing around. They are not playing around. They also have their stadium debuting in a matter of months. So they're like, hey, fans, here's your reward. Here's your reward for all the upheaval that you've experienced over the last couple of years. We're making up for it. That's an insane team. That is just insane, that attack. Like, you could lose two of your DPs, and it wouldn't really be that big of an issue. And I don't think there's a, another club you could say that's the case for. This is good for when they're dealing with another COVID outbreak next playoffs, a year from now. But, but, will they all be vaccinated? Because we're all getting vaccinated soon. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We, you're in Canada, bro. You have it easy. I also have it easy because I have underlying health issues, so I get it earlier than everybody else, possibly. But, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Boom. Warrior. Um, <laughs> well, is, that, is that a How I Met Your Mother reference? Is that what you're doing? No. Oh, I have, okay. no I've never seen How You Met Your Mother. Okay, that's, a, that's a joke they do. They say lawyered. They like they do okay. that. That's funny. Okay. Cool. Um, <laughs> uh, they may have herd immunity, possibly, all their good players, because they've already had the virus. So therefore, they can't get it again for a set period of time. Obviously, you can get it a second time. If you have COVID, don't go out and party. Don't be an idiot. You can still get the virus a second time. Same thing with the vaccine. By the way, it's only 50% effective after the first dose and like 90 to 95% effective after the second dose. So you're still not fully in the clear. It helps, but you're not fully in the clear. So don't go to parties. Don't go to restaurants. Don't do anything stupid because... A lot of effing people are stupid, as you have an overabundance of. Um, 
shall we say, in terms of you raiding your own Capitol building, uh, which it's good to see both of you are not currently in jail and we're not part of that group. Uh, but <laughs> but um, let's move on to Luis Robles, because unless, Drew, actually you didn't talk about Columbus. What do you think about the Columbus crew this year? I think... You said it perfectly. This team is unfair. Um, the fact that they got that transfer was holy crap. Um, but it's exciting. We talked about it with depth. Depth is always a very big deal in MLS, especially because they will have Champions League games. And we talked about Aiden Morris kind of coming out of nowhere in that cup final, tearing it up as added depth. And now they just came and made it even better. So maybe this is a team to make a run at CCL. Who knows what the heck's going on with CONCACAF Champions League right now. Who the heck knows what's going on with MLS right now as they get ready to go back. But they have added pieces that makes them pretty pretty interesting picks to see how good they do in CONCACAF Champions League this year because they got to deal with that. They got to deal with MLS, Open Cup. Um, and when you're the defending champions, you're going to have every team's going to be given everything they have to knock you down. So they got a tough season ahead of them. But if any team can do it, like you said, Connor, it's going to be Columbus because they have the depth to withstand a lot coming this season. So... Big fan of it. Um, a lot of depth, and they're going to be they're going to be freaking good next year. Yep, they are. Which doesn't bode well for our clubs um, in terms of their potential playoff success. But let's talk and finish off our talk on player moves with Luis Robles uh, announcing his retirement uh, following his career. I believe he only spent in MLS. I might be wrong on that. Um, most of his career was spent with New York Red Bull, uh, and then he played this past year with N- uh, not NYCFC. That would be insane. Uh, Miami, Inner Miami, where he didn't even fully start every match, which was interesting. Um, but he, he broke his arm. Ah, yes, that would be tough to play through as a goalie. Um, yeah. Well then, uh, yeah, Ruiz Robles and it's his retirement. What do you guys have to say say around Robles and his entire career in MLS? I'm glad I don't have to watch Atlanta United play against him anymore. Dude was a nuisance because he was really good, and my team didn't really score on him a lot. So, congratulations to him on a great career. By all accounts, he was a great, great leader, great member of the locker room. I do wish it, things had worked out a little better in Miami, you know, with his injury and whatnot and being part of a trash team. But hopefully he enjoys his retirement. Yeah, um, one of the best to do in MLS. I hope he stays in the league somehow, whether it be a coaching role or just player association or something like that. Um, yeah, Josh brings up a good point. It was kind of annoying playing against the New York Red Bulls, and he was a large part of it, even though it felt like Atlanta didn't get a whole lot, didn't get very close to his goal in the first place. Um but, yeah, one of the best to do in MLS. Um, kind of wish he would retire with the Red Bulls, but obviously he's leaving with Miami because it feels like every time I think of Luis Robles, he's he's a New York Red Bull. Um, so, yeah, congrats to him. One of the best to do it. Hope he stays in the league. And really excited that Joseph Martinez doesn't have the task of getting past him when he's in front of net. So that's good, but one of the best to do it. And excited to see what is in his future. Hopefully it's an MLS because I would love to have him stick around because he seems like Josh said a really good person. Yeah. Second legendary MLS keeper to retire in the past couple of years following Nick Romando, who if you haven't read the athletic article on how he saves penalties and how he managed to save penalties, 
do it because it is so interesting uh, to hear his tactic in terms of everything he does. But let's switch gears to the managerial side of MLS uh, with the most shocking move that absolutely nobody saw coming. Uh, Greg Vanny is joining LA Galaxy as their next manager. How shocked were you guys when this move happened? And how do you think Vanny's going to do with the Galaxy? Uh, wasn't shocked was is probably the correct answer because I think it as soon as like yeah it was announced that there was an opening and Vanny had a potential job had a new job that he was looking for everyone just put two and two together and it made sense uh, so not really shocked at all I think when the news broke that like our whole Slack channel was like everyone expected this this isn't surprising at all um, well I think he'd do good at LA Galaxy yes I think he's going to do really well I think he has the wallet with the Galaxy and just the brand that they'll spend players, spend money on players that he wants. Um, he built Toronto up from pretty bad to kind of this powerhouse that we're used to seeing now, and I don't see any reason why he wouldn't do the same with the Galaxy. I think it might be a little unfair to expect him to do the same thing twice. Um, it's probably really hard to do that in Toronto, to ex- so to expect it just to work perfectly again in a new city with a new ownership group is kind of unfair. So maybe it's not going to be as good as it was in Toronto, but I'm expecting good things out of him. I think the Galaxy are going to be good for years to come because he seems like this guy that is there for a while and he's there to build something. And I think with the wallet, the brand, and just the ownership that spends money on players, because even though Galaxy were really bad, we've talked about this a lot, even though they were really bad, they had really good players. So maybe having a manager like Vanny to help build something is going to be good, and I think he's going to do really well with the Galaxy. Josh, what do you think about... Vanny officially making his way to Los Angeles to join the Galaxy. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how this goes. I I'm not sure how many how much of LA Galaxy's problems are now systemic because it's been a long time since they've been successful. It's been four or five years now since they've really done well in the playoffs. So you know since Bruce Arena was around, which was the end of 2016. So. This feels like a, a Bruce Arena kind of hiring to me. Uh, you know, you've got this domestic coach. Um, Arena wasn't a former player or anything, but he's a guy that knew MLS, does know MLS, and is obviously turning around the New England Revolution as we speak. But Vandy kind of feels like that. You look back at their last couple of hires, they had Kurt Onoffel after Bruce Arena, and the idea behind that hire was good, but the execution was poor. And then you brought in um, Ziggy Schmidt, and unfortunately it just didn't work out with him in his second stint with the club. But this kind of feels like a much more rock-solid pick, and I like the direction they're going in by picking Vanny, someone who is going to be invested. He's going to be heavily invested. This is a club that he played for. He's obviously got ties to. And like you said, Drew, he's going to have the right resources behind him. And if I were an LA Galaxy fan, I'd be a lot more trusting of him than maybe the last couple of managers they've had. This entire situation which i think i mentioned on a past podcast but this just this is la galaxy is toronto fc when he joined the club they're willing to spend a ton of money they have some decent pieces uh they have a star player who hasn't exactly been successful uh in terms of a signing and i think he's going to be potentially really, really good with the club. Um, 
as people are well aware, I'm not a fan of his player personnel decisions. I don't think his substitutions in game were very good with Toronto, but he's an unbelievable squad builder. He understands MLS very, very well. He's sort of good on the player development side in that he's good at developing talent. He's just not very good at playing them. And he's going to have that huge budget that he had with Toronto FC. This feels like it's going to be a home run if Vanny can do what he did in 2014 or what he did starting in 2014 with Toronto FC. This might take a year or two to really rebuild this team a bit. But I like the direction Galaxy are going. I like this hire. Everybody saw it coming. Uh, like It was just so unbelievably obvious. The second he announced that he would be leaving Toronto, um, I wasn't a massive fan of him saying he was leaving for family reasons to then immediately sign with Galaxy. I feel like if he'd said that he just wanted to go to Galaxy, he should have said it, but I understand it. Like, I'm not going to criticize him for that. That's so minuscule. It's so unimportant. Uh, he did so much for Toronto FC. I can't be mad at him for doing that for something that probably was a family decision in the long run because living in LA versus living in Toronto, there is quite a difference there, um, particularly with climate. So I understand it, and I like the move for Galaxy. He did go to college at UCLA and played there, also played for a team in Sacramento. So I would assume that just from growing up a little bit in the area, he's probably got some family ties. So, Or maybe I, if he's married, maybe his, his, um, his spouse also has family there. So it could, it could still be part of the reason. I believe he has kids too. Um, so growing up in L.A. is... Good. Uh, I prefer Toronto, but that's an unbelievably biased perspective. So, yeah, says man uh, living in Toronto. Yeah, says man living in Toronto. Um, I like the move, though. I think it's great. Uh, a move I'm not so sure of is the next one we're going to talk about because, boy, oh, boy, do Inter-Miami sound like the next tire fire in MLS. Um, <laughs> Diego Alonso mutually agreed to part ways with Inter-Miami, which is probably lawyers speak for the club told him get out of here because we want to bring in phil neville who is the women's national team coach for england (laughs) former teammate of beckham so there's the connection there between those two it sounds like david beckham is getting even more involved with the club's functioning but what do you guys think about this move was this the right decision for inter miami are they in trouble and are they going in the right direction, ignoring the potential suing by Inter Milan for their name? Interesting. You brought up the Inter Milan thing because I was, I totally forgot about that, but yeah, that's interesting. Um, but about the Phil Neville thing, I have never seen MLS Twitter and women's soccer Twitter unite <laughs> around how bad a person is like they are uniting around how bad Phil Neville is. Women's soccer fans will be very quick to tell you he was he's not good with England. There were so many issues about him and the players, and so talented they lost semifinal of the USB in the World Cup. Um, this I think you said this is just like leading into Miami becoming the next FC Cincinnati of Major League Soccer. 
there's I can't think of anything that's good about this. Um, yeah, I mean Miami, we expected them to be the exact opposite of what they're being, right? We expected Miami and Nashville to be flipped, and Nashville made a miracle run. Things are looking great for Nashville, and Miami, one of the worst teams in the league, and it looks like it's just getting worse for them. So things are not looking good for Miami. You bring up the lawsuit about the Inter thing, which we probably talked about a long time ago, and now that's kind of coming to fruition. Um, but this is just not good. Like, not a good manager, not a good decision. I don't think anyone's happy about this. Um, it hasn't been finalized yet, but I think I've seen some pretty trusty reporting that he looks like he's going to be next. So I don't think Miami's – I'm not sure. I haven't seen Alex Winley tweet about it on Twitter, uh, inter-Miami writer for the website. I'm sure she has some feelings about it. But I am not – not good news for Miami as far as I'm concerned. What What do you guys think about – I don't know which one of you wants to go first because I think we all have pretty similar feelings. But We need to get Alex Windley on. We need Maybe to get when this her move on. gets finalized, we can bring her on. We need to get Alex Windley on. Like at the, we need to. We've been saying it for so long. This needs to happen. Um, so maybe we'll try to get her on next week. But I'll let Josh sort of talk about this because I feel like you have very strong opinions on this move and the entire Inter Miami situation. I mean, where to begin, man? There's just there's so many issues. And you know what we haven't even talked about? Like they still don't have a stadium. Like yeah, they're playing in Fort Lauderdale, but that's not that's not their stadium. That's not supposed to be their stadium. Okay, uh, in fairness, they're building it. They are building it. Currently, they're currently building a stadium. Yes, I would I follow. Think so. I would double check on that because last I saw that they hadn't finalized the site yet because they're still tied up in council meetings and whatever else, whatever other red tape you have to cut through. Yeah, follow that up. Anyway, so okay, Miami. Um, where to begin? Where to begin? I don't know a whole lot about Phil Neville. All I can gather is what I have absorbed from soccer Twitter, specifically U.S. Women's National Team soccer Twitter. So like Drew said, I haven't seen good things about Neville and, and his time with the English Women's National Team. This feels like a really buddy buddy move because Neville and David Beckham were teammates I believe at Manchester United. So this kind of feels like, hey pal, you wanna come you wanna come manage my soccer team? Things aren't going too great. So I don't really like that. I don't like how it feels like Miami rushed to get Diego Alonso only to fire him at the end of the year because things didn't mesh well between them. I don't like that Alonso thought he'd been fired after meeting with the club, only to find out he wasn't fired, only to later be fired. So that is a whole bad issue right there. I'm also pretty worried about the club culture because you're in South Florida, you've brought in a lot of South American players, and you brought in a Spanish-speaking coach, and so now you're doing a whole 180, and you don't have to look much farther than Atlanta United to ask how that went to go from a South American-based coach to a European-based coach, so... This is just really strange to me. I feel bad for like a player like Leandro Gonzalez-Perez who loved what was going on in Atlanta and then DeBoer came in and then he got away from that and then he got to Miami and I don't know how he felt about Alonzo, but to go from Alonzo to Neville is also really strange. So this whole thing is an issue. I, I don't think I am exaggerating by saying that this could be a make-or-break year for Miami 
as a franchise in MLS because yes, it's you know there's money in the club behind Moss, the Moss brothers, and yes, there is the there's eyes on the club because of David Beckham. But if they don't get anything right this year, like they didn't get anything right last year, they they're setting themselves back big time and maybe in a worse way than a team like FC Cincinnati, who isn't in a huge market, who doesn't have a huge spotlight on them. I mean, Inter Miami is already trying to build itself up as an international brand. I mean, it's in their name. So this could be a make or break year for Miami. I personally think they are in trouble and I don't see how this could go well for them. I believe they are building the stadium, kind of, uh, or they've at least started construction on it. Okay. Um, but I'm reading the Wikipedia on the stadium because it has its own Wikipedia in terms of their stadium search. And the last update was on August 20th, uh, uh, 2020. They had it, I believe it was 2020. They upheld the results of a vote uh, of from Miami voters to agree to the deal uh, for it to be built on Freedom Park. Uh, although there is soil contamination at <laughs> Mallory's Golf Course, uh, the proposed site for the stadium, and it was far worse than previously thought. So things continue to go for bad to worse for Miami, uh, but... Yeah, this move is just going to be very interesting. I wonder if they just do a complete reset and try to blow the team up, kind of, uh, by getting rid of a lot of the fringe pieces. But I don't really have much to add to what either of you said. <laughs> They're still dealing with the inter-name uh, lawsuit uh, trademark claim. Uh, but yeah, this... Uh, you guys did benefit with Paul McDonough joining Atlanta, uh, and that is important to note that you guys are technically happy about Inter Miami being a complete tire fire. Uh, but yeah, it's just this entire situation is insane. Um, let's move on to coaches that haven't been hired yet, uh, particularly Toronto and DC United, who are still searching for the replacements for Greg Vanny and Ben Olson. Uh, let's start with Ben Olsen because I think we can talk a bit more about Toronto search because there's more information that I know, uh, that you two probably know as well because I force it down your throats. Um, but what do you think about this whole DC United search? Um, who do you think will end up being their next head coach? I, I don't know that. Yeah. I have no idea. I'm going to play the, I have no idea card. Um, because, yeah, Patrick Vieira, which I don't think we talked a lot about him being linked with DC United at all. It seemed like every time we talked about him, he was linked with Toronto. Um, I heard some mumbles of Chris Armis going to DC United, which that was like, I heard that like for a day and then Twitter exploded and said no. And then I haven't heard anything since. So maybe that's dead. Um, but yeah, I have no idea about DC United. I know that's just an interesting job to take because they're a very historic club i think they have they might have the most mls cups in history i think they were tied with the galaxy um but yeah one of the most historic story clubs in the league but it doesn't feel like they have the national spotlight that toronto would have so i'm not sure the pressure that that job would bring 
Um, I feel like the manager, whoever that might be, would have patience with the front office. Um, and But I have no idea who I think they would hire because it feels like there haven't been a whole lot of names floating around with that. And honestly, it feels like I forgot that team needed a manager because every time you talk about manager openings, it was Atlanta with Heinze, Toronto with Vieira, which Vieira deciding he'll stay in Europe, so that kind of blew up. Um, and Seattle still, I think I don't think uh, their coach was out, but it's bad, but the, without a contract right now. So even that's a coaching thing that they have to deal with. So I have no idea who DC United is going to be looking at. I think the manager will have some patience, though. Um, it might be an attractive job. I think it is an attractive job because I feel like they have, I feel like they have the talent there um, to be not as bad as they were. I don't think they're MLS Cup contenders, but they were so bad last year, and I think they have more talent than that. So I think it's a pretty attractive job. Uh, maybe it'll be someone in the U.S. because we talk about teams that win MLS Cup. It feels like it's always American managers right now. So I have no idea who I think is going to be linked with the job, but it's an interesting position to think about. Um, Josh, what do you think about D.C. United's manager opening right now? If I'm a D.C. fan, I'm starting to get a little nervous. It sounds like they were close with Armis, and then a deal fell through. And then they were close with Seattle Sounders assistant Gonzalo Pineda. And then a deal fell through. So from what I can gather from journalists that cover DC United, from fans and you know those with their ear to the ground, sounds like DC is, is doing a poor job of coming to terms with a coach. So like I said, if I was a fan, I'd be worried. Now, me, as Josh, as a neutral... I really want to see Jill Ellis now as the DC manager because please give me the Inter-Miami DC Phil Neville Jill Ellis matchup that we all want to see. That would be amazing. And if somehow she ends up as manager because I don't think it's going to happen, but if it does, then MLS schedule makers, if you're listening to this, please please give us two DC Miami matches this upcoming year. Please please do for all of us on national TV. But could you imagine, like, I'm just having to convince Jill Ellis, coming from the best women's <laughs> national team in the country, to D.C. How are you going to do that? I want to see it so bad. I want to see it so bad. But I I would like to hear that conversation and how D.C. United tries to convince her to do that. I would hope she's the best woman or national team coach in the country because there's only one of them. Uh, or Did I say country? Yes. I mean world. You know <laughs> I know what you I mean. meant, but I still wanted to make fun of you for it. Um <laughs> Yeah, that would be an insane hire. I don't think that'll happen at all, but it would still be insane. And you know, she wouldn't be the first women to coach a professional team in North America with Becky Hammond doing it with the San Antonio Spurs after Greg Popovich got ejected in a game against the Lakers uh like a couple weeks ago. Uh but it would be an insane story. Uh I don't know who they're going to hire. I've seen nothing in terms of rumors surrounding DC. Uh, no links. The Toronto front has been much louder than the DC front, especially it sounds like it's been louder from the DC reporters on the Toronto front because of the Ben Olsen links. But yeah, that's just, it's going to be interesting to see who they pick. And I mentioned Toronto and we should talk about them because Patrick Vieira is apparently not an option anymore, which I'm heartbroken about. Uh, he's, according to reports, decided to stay in Europe instead of come to MLS in Toronto. Um, 
I have a feeling they offered him a contract and he just decided that he wanted to stay because there were the reports that he'd been offered a contract and then immediately a couple hours later to maybe not even a couple hours later, those rumors were squashed saying he's not coming. Uh, he's no longer an option. Uh, but apart from that, I've only seen two solid names continually that have been brought up. Uh, and Chris Armas, former Red Bulls coach, and Ben Olsen. Uh, ben Olsen sounds to be very unlikely. Uh, I think they get, they had the courtesy to interview him, but I don't think that was ever going to be an option. And then Armas, I hate to say it, but I feel like he's going to be the next coach of Toronto FC. I don't want it to be the case, but there have been so many links and the link between Ali Curtis and Red Bulls, I feel like it's going to be that, but it could be somebody who we've never heard of before. And Rachel Dory said that the ideal candidate uh, when she was on the podcast in mid-December for her was a U23 coach from a major club in Europe. So maybe it'll be under 23 coach. I'm not really sure. I'll, who do you guys think? Toronto FC's next coach is going to be because I'm so torn still on who it'll end up being. First, I want to say I'm bummed out that Vieira is not going to be the manager because I think he would be excellent in Toronto and I would have loved to see him back in the league. His time with NYCFC was fantastic. He was fun um, to see in the league. That being said, this just popped into my brain just now. As you mentioned what Rachel Dory said when she was with us on the podcast I could see Steve Chirundolo take the Toronto FC job. Chirundolo is a former U.S. men's national team player. He, I think he played in a couple of World Cups with the team. I know he was on the South Africa squad. I can't remember if he was with Brazil or uh, whatever the World Cup was before that. Was it Germany in 06? I can't remember. But... He is currently coaching in Germany right now. Last I saw, or if I remember correctly, he was coaching some youth squads. And he's a coach that has expressed wanting to coach an MLS or to take a bigger job. So I think Steve Trundolo could be an option. Um, and I think it would fit what Rachel said she expects in terms of the direction Toronto goes. I don't want them to pick Chris Armas. I think there are more attractive options out there. But I understand... You know, if Ali Curtis believes in him and their whole connection from Red Bull. I could also see Toronto going in a completely unexpected direction. This sort of reminds me of how Atlanta United had no rumors or anything, and then all of a sudden Frank DeBoer was manager. Or they did have rumors with tons of other coaches, and then all of a sudden DeBoer got mentioned as, oh, he's signing with Atlanta. And everybody's like, what the heck? Where did this come from? So I could definitely see that happening with Toronto. I don't really think that's a likely scenario, but I think it's a potential scenario. Yeah, I think I might just cop out and say Chris Harmis is going to be the next manager of Toronto FC because I really don't have any other answer for you. Um, do I want that to happen? No, because I this is this is going to sound really homery, but I I can't get past that 2018 Eastern Conference Final loss to Atlanta. Because it's just the press worked. He stuck with that press in the regular season. Atlanta couldn't get by it. And then for some reason, just abandoned it in one of the biggest games he ever coached with New York Red Bulls. And for me, that's a career defining loss 
because I, I think they beat Portland in the MLS Cup final. I think he would win MLS Cup with the Red Bulls and get their first one, get that finally elusive trophy that feels like the Red Bulls haven't gotten, even though they've been dominant. And if they win MLS Cup, you have MLS Cup, you have Supporter Shield, and he goes, that's one of the best MLS teams of all time if he wins that MLS Cup, if he does just doesn't abandon the press that Atlanta couldn't deal with for so long. So I don't want that to happen to Toronto, but I think it will happen. Um, will it be the exact same thing as New York Rebels? I find it hard to see because it's a different personnel, and depending on what front office wants them to do. Um, so I'm going to say Chris Armas is going to be the next manager of Toronto FC. Again, Josh brings in good candidates, especially if that lines up with what Rachel Dory said. Um, so yeah, but I'm going to lean in with Chris Armas, but that's honestly because I have no other option because Vieira left and that's kind of not an option anymore which like josh said that would have been awesome and i was totally pulling for that but i'm going to take the easy way out and say chris armis will be the next tfc manager i just googled steve Trundolo and just his name uh did you spell his name right on the first try no, i have no idea i started it i, I first spelled it with a t it's actually ch um okay but one of the articles that pops up from two days ago from mlssoccer.com Steve Tarundolo says he's had discussions with MLS clubs clubs over head coaching role. Right now, the only clubs who don't have a head coach, as we've mentioned, are Toronto FC and DC United. That's a very interesting option. I think, Josh, you might be on to something there. I just want to. I do want to give Josh credit. I have not seen that link I, at all. Like this is the I. first time I've ever hearing this person. I haven't so either. I haven't either. I'm like really proud of myself right now that I came up with that on my own, and it turned out to be like a real thing. This is this is me with a little pat on the back. I'm proud of myself. Pat yourself on the back because I did not know that person existed, <laughs> and now Josh is coming out here saying he's the next manager and he's going to be. So credit to Josh for that. Yo, shout out to the 2010 FIFA World Cup South Africa video game. He was on that squad, and that's... That game was good. I was, think I played that. Good. Yeah, it was, that was on the Wii, wasn't it? Oh, no, that was, a good game. was on the Wii? The Probably. Wii? I, I had it for Xbox, I think. Okay. Yeah, it was for Xbox, but it had, um, you know, Wave and Flag and uh, the Shakira song. Like, that That was that was a great World Cup. Like, just... That was good. Good World stuff. Cup. Yeah, my elementary school teacher, grade 5 teacher, Mr. Galvin, was a big Ghana fan for some reason. Uh, I think he spent time there so what he would do is he would bring in the giant box rolling tvs and he just put the games on heck yeah so we get to sit there and watch the game so we watched the first uh i remember watching the first game and watching south africa africa score that was insane you were Uh, in school in june yeah that's weird we went september to june end of june we finished in elementary school and like public school Uh, like private school it's a little different like i would finish june 15th in middle and high school uh but that's because i went to a private school but elementary school and public school we went up to like the 26th 27th 28th of june uh but you guys start mid-august we started just after labor day yeah it's it's different in georgia i know i think in the northeast i think my cousins in connecticut were on a similar schedule but it's like it's offset by a month it's uh july or august to may uh yeah, okay. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, this whole Toronto FC situation is very interesting. Um, but apart from that, I guess we should mention giant uh, reports saying Brian Schmetzer has agreed to a contract extension with Seattle, which I think was expected. Um, but other than that, did we miss anything? Probably. Um, 
so yell at us for what we did miss. But true, I'll let you take us out. Yeah, thanks again, guys, so much for listening. As we come back from a good holiday break, talk about all the crazy things that happen in MLS, we really do appreciate you guys listening. Um, and as always, like Connor said, if you want to yell at us, a really good way to yell at us <laughs> is to find us on Twitter. Uh, you can find myself at underscore Drew Hubbard. You can find Connor at CWG Somerville, Josh at Josh underscore Boland. And more than anything, please visit the website, MLSMultiplex.com, as our writers crank out really awesome stuff through the offseason and just the crazy news that's going on in MLS. And you can yell at the website if you want to at MLS Multiplex on Twitter. So feel free to find us on Twitter, visit the website, please visit the website as writers crank out really awesome stuff. Um, and please leave a review on this podcast. We love hearing from you guys. I love hearing how we can get better as we move along. So thanks again, guys, so much for listening. Um, and we will see you next week with another crazy episode talking about MLS and the fun offseason we are going through. So thanks again, guys, so much. And we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.